you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord sent to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 8th chapter. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was... I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. This is the gospel of the Lord. So um, I'll start with a story about a little boy who, uh, who really, really wanted a bicycle, but he didn't have the money for it, and he wasn't really sure how to pray. So one day he watched this really, you know, kind of like mega church, high church TV program, and, and afterward that night, he got down on his knees to pray in, in some highfalutin language. He said, Almighty and eternal God, if it is your vast, infinite plan that I get myself a bicycle, may it be according to your perfect will. Amen. He woke up the next morning and went outside, 
no bicycle. He was really disturbed by this, that, that his prayer wasn't answered. So he turned on the television again. Maybe they misled him. So he decided to watch another Christian program. Maybe they prayed wrong. So that night he got on his knees and he prayed again, Dear Jesus, I declare my need for a bicycle. And I also declare that it be blue and silver. And I demand that it be here tomorrow morning by, say, 5.30. Because you want your children to prosper and I need my bicycle. Thank you. Amen. He got up early the next morning, went outside. Still no bike. Now he's really troubled. So he starts wandering around the house for a little bit, and, and his mother was watching him. She saw him go into her bedroom, and, and he saw a statue of Mary. He picked up the statue of Mary, and he put it under his arm, and he disappeared into the woods out back. He came back about 10 minutes later with uh, no statue under his arm. So the mother wondered what had happened. She, she saw him go into his room and get on his knees, and she put her ear to the door, and she overheard him praying, Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again. <laughs> I'm glad some of y'all laughed. I'm sure I offended somebody with that story. You'll have to forgive me. I mean, uh, rightfully so, reasonably so, right? Because uh, you don't talk to God that way. You don't pray that way. But it's funny, whenever we're faced with adversity or some immense opposition, no matter what your belief, one of the things you're, you know, you, you kind of consider doing is praying. Um, it's banned to pray in public schools nowadays, but as somebody said, as long as there are math exams, there will always be prayer in schools. You always want to pray to God and say, help me, I haven't studied, but please, you know, an A would be quite in order, if you don't mind, right? And I'm not just up here to, like, roast kids and, you know, point and laugh at all the children who don't understand who God is or how he operates or how to pray, right? Um, I think there's a lot of Christians who put on the spot would have a hard time answering that question. You know, who is God? Who is God? Throughout the year, we reflect upon all the good and powerful and loving things that, that God's done for us. Right In Advent, we focus on prophecy and promises. Um, Christmas is nativity and promises kept. The epiphany, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, Lenten season is an invitation to return. In Holy Week, we focus on sacrifice and redemption. Easter, we talk about victory and life. And here we are in the season of Pentecost where we focus on the gift of the Holy Spirit. Today we reflect on and celebrate who God is. So who is God? I think we seem to have a lot of stock answers in our pockets, right? Like a lot of descriptions. God is, God is sovereign. God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. God, God is immutable. He's indestructible. They're wonderful words. But what do they do for us? What do they do for us if we don't know the Father and have a relationship with him? God is, God is sovereign, right? God is omniscient. God is immutable. Here's the thing. In and of themselves, those words sound kind of scary, don't they? Sovereignty can be tyrannical if it's unbounded by love. Omniscience can be tortuous 
if it's unbounded by mercy. Immutability can be terrifying if it's unbounded by grace. So all these things have contingencies, qualifiers. These truths may be fantastic, but at times, and to many people, I think they seem abstract. So let's, let's make this simpler. Next time someone says, who's God? Really simply put, God is the Holy Trinity. Well, what's that? The next slide. Let's take a look at this graphic together. So we see that the Son is God, the Father is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. But the Son is not the Holy Spirit or the Father. Father is not the Son or the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Son or the Father. Explain that to an alien, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's not easy. And, um, you know, because we lack the capacity to understand the Trinity and all its infinite glory, I think we often present partial truths in an attempt to explain it to people. Um, I'd love to stand up here and get all philosophical and long-winded, probably bore you with why I think the Holy Trinity is one of the most logical and beautiful things in all of Christianity. Um, So I'm going to do just that. C.S. Lewis once... No, I'm kidding. Um, I won't. Instead, I'm going to offer you three simple truths to hold on to. First, there is one God. We know that. Jesus says in John 10, I and the Father are one. I think some, some people might say the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are three independent and distinct divine beings. Not true. It's three in one. The Son, Holy Spirit, and the Father make up one God. There is one God. Second, God is three eternal persons. We read in Matthew three sixteen, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So some might say it's like water, right? It could be solid or liquid or gas. It's wrong again. It's not three characterizations of one God, but rather three distinct persons in one God. God is the three eternal persons that together make up one Godhead. And third, each eternal person is God. Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So when we're baptized, we're united with the one God. Each eternal person in the Trinity is God. So it's simple, right? We believe in one God, the Father, the architect who put into motion the plan of salvation, the Son who personally, in the flesh, sought out his beloved who needed healing and healed them, and the Holy Spirit, who empowers us with all that God is and creates a relationship with us to bless us, to guide us in the way of blessing and to give us strength and healing. All of this makes up one God, revealed in Scripture as a God who loves and seeks and saves. 
there's a part two to this, though. Who is God as he's known through us? As a follower of Christ, as a child of the Father, as a vessel of the Holy Spirit. We say so much about God. How often do we really pause to find out if that's an honest representation of how God himself would like to be represented? Would God be honored if your life, in your life, if he were to speak on your behalf? If a stranger were to attend this service and they knew nothing about the gospel, and they just sat in the back and observed what we did and what we said, what we sang and what we prayed, how we behaved, and at the end of it, they were given a quiz, what do you think Christians actually believe? What do you think that stranger would write? More to the point, who do you turn to on a daily basis? Is it the Father? Whose example do you follow? Is it Jesus? Who inspires your heart and mind, the way you carry yourself and treat other people? Is it the Holy Spirit? Even more to the point, if somebody knew the intricacies of your life, all of its foibles, all of your duplicities, all of your successes, and then decided to write what they think a Christian is like based on your life, what would that representation look like? Let's pray. God, help us be faithful representatives of the Holy Trinity. Inspire our hearts and minds to carry ourselves and treat others, other people in a way that glorifies God, in a way that brings people closer to him, in a way that inspires people with the Holy Spirit. God, help us to know him and make him known. God, help us be that church. Let's declare our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. In one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, and by whom all things were made, who for us and our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man. He was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And on the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures and his sin into heaven. He seats the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshiped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets and believed in one holy Christian apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Eternal and unchangeable God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, accept our praise this day for creating us, preserving us, redeeming us, and delivering us to your forgiveness and salvation. 
Lord, in your mercy. Blessed Father, we worship you not as we ought, but as we are able. Within the frailty of our minds and hearts, we struggle against sin and unbelief. Guard us by your Spirit that we may not grow weary or lose sight of the goal before us. Let the Holy Spirit work in us to display the good works of Jesus, who has called us from darkness into his marvelous light. Lord, in your mercy. Lord Jesus, you promise to always be with us. Into your gracious, loving arms, we commend all who are sick and suffering. Today we pray for those listed in our prayer request and those we name in our hearts. Strengthen their faith, Father, so that they may bear any hardships in patience and trust until you grant them relief, peace, and healing. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, who is trustworthy and true, you give us pastors to speak your word on your behalf. We pray for the church and for his, this household of faith. Help us grow daily in our faith by studying your word in prayer. Let your Holy Spirit work in this congregation. Give us a vision for the future and reverence in, for the past. Open our hearts and minds as you reveal to us the church you want Emmanuel Lutheran to be. Help us to know you better and to make you known to those around us. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, Heavenly Father, we commend all whom we pray for. We trust in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, 